0: Tackling your business's finance to-dos can be daunting enough without being slowed down by QuickBooks. More like slow books. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one financial system, no matter how big your business grows. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. Special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to NetSuite.com slash cSuite right now. That's NetSuite.com slash cSuite.
1: This is the Profitology Podcast, episode number four with Mike McCallowitz, author of Profit First. Welcome to the Profitology Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly O'Neill. Profitpreneurs are rewriting the rules for entrepreneurial business success in how they operate and scale their businesses, make more money, and design their businesses to give them more unplugged time in the process. Each week, join me for insightful and candid interviews with the most brilliant business minds, celebrity influencers, and fellow profitpreneurs who are disrupting the status quo and are gonna leave you inspired to rewrite the rules in your own business. Let's get started. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of the Profitology Podcast. I am so thrilled for today's show, and I just want to give a shout out to all of you who have supported the launch of our podcast. This has been such a labor of love for me and something that I've been working on for such a long time. As you know, I'm bringing you the best guests from around the world to be able to share with you their profit tips. If you haven't yet, make sure that you connect with us in our online Facebook group, the Profitpreneur Circle. You can find that at profitpreneurcircle.com. And let us know what you love about these episodes, the kinds of interviews you want to hear, because I am bringing you content on demand. And today is no exception. This gentleman that I'm going to interview today is going to share with you some brilliant tips about how to immediately create profit in your business. Mike Michalowicz is a good friend of mine. I've known him for years. I've interviewed him before. And in fact, I'm going to be interviewing him again shortly regarding his brand new book called Clockwork. But Mike has a really unique philosophy and you guys are going to love this interview. He is hysterical. He's got a really unique philosophy about how to create profit in your business. And I have to tell you, when I read his book, I immediately was like elated that I had read it. And also it was one of those things that I was like, I wish I had read this 10 years ago because I would be retired right now. So Mike is going to be sharing with us his profit first philosophy. He's going to share how to create profit in business. And we had such a phenomenal conversation about the state of entrepreneurship and the pitfalls that we are seeing and how you can fix those in your business. So stay tuned for an awesome episode with Mike Michalowicz of Profit First. All right. Welcome Mr. Mike Michalowicz to the Profitology Podcast. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, Kelly. Thanks for having me back.
1: It is my pleasure. I am thrilled. As you know, I am a major, major fan of the work that you are doing in the world. Not only with your first book, I was saying to you before the interview started, it's required reading for my profitology students, Profit First. And then recently you had a new book come out called Clockwork. So tell us just a little bit about what each of those books are about real quick.
0: Yeah, sure. So I think there's two forms of what I call entrepreneurial poverty this is a term I, I, I coined for myself, I actually, I got my little bracelet about entrepreneurial poverty and my mission to eradicate it. The inception point, by the way, is my own story. I struggled in building my own businesses financially, but also time-wise. Those two books were written to address the gaps of entrepreneurial poverty. And just to define that a little bit further, many people see an entrepreneur, like Kelly, you start a business, all your friends who are not entrepreneurs say, oh my God, Kelly's like instantly a millionaire, and all she does is go to conferences and drinks Mai Tais. Like, that's like your life. The reality, of course, is not what they perceive. You work your ass off. We struggle to make money. Sadly, most entrepreneurs survive check by check for the entirety of their life and would make more money if they work for someone else. That's this gap, the perception of entrepreneurship and the reality. And my life's mission is to close that gap. I wrote those two books for that purpose. So Profit First, I wrote it to eradicate financial poverty. And it's based upon the behavioral mechanisms that drive how we manage money. There's always different fundamental rules and laws, but basically the short of it is the more money that comes in, the more money will go out and it's a natural wiring. So with Profit First, I changed the historical formula of profit last, that's the bottom line or the year end, all those terms we use. And every time there's a transaction, we immediately take a predetermined percentage of profit, hide it away, run the business off the remainder. It's the pay yourself first principle applied to business. My newest book is called Clockwork and Clockwork addresses something that's a greater impoverishment. I don't know if that's a word, but impoverishment, which is is greater than financial poverty. It's time poverty. And what I observed in myself and so many entrepreneurs is we work our asses off, which means we sacrifice our families, our friends, our own lives. And we are basically in life to support business when we should be in business to support life.
1: I just have to like, amen yeah. you, this is exactly what the profitology process is based on. Your business should work for you, right. not the other way around. Right,
0: right. But here's the insidious truth that happens for entrepreneurs. In the beginning, you have to make massive sacrifices because you're, you're launching a business. You've you got to work like crazy. You've got to figure things out fast, but that's only for the launch period. It's like a rocket ship. When you see a rocket ship take off, it's that initial burst where there's smoke and fire and all this stuff. As it gets into its momentum, they actually decrease the throttle. They don't need to be pushing as much. And when they break out of the atmosphere, you got to turn those things off. But entrepreneurs think it's got to be that fire and smoke and shit all the time for the rest of our lives. And that's the lifestyle I was living, sacrificing time with my family, um, not seeing my kids grow up and thinking that this was a great, noble thing. I actually proudly wore the workaholic badge and then came to realize, oh my gosh, I got this totally effed up. We shouldn't try to get more things done. We should not pursue that. We should pursue having the business get more things done and move from doing work to designing outcomes. That's what clockwork is about.
1: You're just my hero, right? There's so much synergy between what the two of us teach because I think it actually stems from the way that entrepreneurship is being taught, because when I got into business, you know, uh, for me, I came from corporate world. I worked it into it. Then I was in the the whole dot com boom as a publicist and positioning specialist. And when I came into business, I mean, I remember like my business training was I picked up Alan Weiss's Million Dollar Consultant and read it, and I was like okay, I'm going to launch a of consulting business. And I did. And I was really successful initially following that model. But then I kind of got looped into those other entrepreneurial trainings. That's actually what they're teaching. And I think that the battle cry for a lot of those businesses is hustle and grind.
0: Yeah, it totally is. So much so that um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but in the last few months, I've been saying it more and more vocally. I don't even know if the word entrepreneur is a good word anymore, because specifically what you said, Kelly, we translate entrepreneurship to hustle and grind. And I understand the intentions behind those words. We need to hustle, we need to put in an effort, we need to grind things out, but only for a period of time. It's now being consumed that that is the definition of entrepreneurship. It's always hustle and grind. It's constantly go, go, go. And it's, it's killing us. It's that's actually it. hurting our business. Our yeah. business becomes more dependent upon us. So I challenge people when someone says they're an entrepreneur, that's all I focus on is small business entrepreneurs, writing for them, serving them, being one myself. When someone used the word entrepreneur, I'm now starting to say in the last few months, let's not use that term anymore. Call yourself a shareholder. Next time you're at a dinner party and someone says what do you do, you say I'm an entrepreneur, they are hearing and you are believing in general, it's hustle and grind. But if you say you're a shareholder, it's gonna be deer in the headlights. Like People are like, what the F is that? If you're a shareholder in a large public company, do you, if you own stock in Ford, which I happen to own, I don't like drive over to Ford every morning and say, hey, I'm ready to work today, let's hustle it out. I'm an investor. When they give me a profit distribution, I don't plow it back and say, here, Ford, here's the money back to you. I'm a shareholder. I'm taking risk. I've invested in their company and I'm hoping, I'm rooting them along, but I'm not active in it. We are shareholders in our own business and very quickly, we should get to that mentality of a successful large company of work on the business. As Michael Gerber said, don't work in the business, design the outcomes you want, act as a shareholder. And I don't think we'll ever be that way until we start using that terminology.
1: I love it. You know, one of the things that I say frequently is the dumbest, since we're not using the full word, the dumbest effing quote I've ever heard in my life is entrepreneurs are the ones who are willing to work uh, 80 hours a week so they don't have to work 40. (laughs) I'm like, you guys, stop saying that. Stop putting that in people's minds. That's ridiculous. My strategic plan was built this year for me to work 30 hours a week. Love it. And take home, take home profit multiple six figures in my business.
0: I love it. And you know, the the thing I've discovered behind that, Kelly, is that by doing that, your company is more valuable to you, obviously, but more valuable to the outside. I think the dream for many entrepreneurs is the exit moment. I've been very blessed. I've gone through two exits, but I didn't understand what evaluation of your company is based on. And it's based on the ability for a company to be turnkey, run with full independence of the owner. Yes. But my mentality was I grew a business. I had proof that I continued to grow sales, but it was dependent upon me. So the day that I got acquired, if I wanted to take a day off, the business started to, to weaken and my acquirers knew this. They said, Mike, because it's so dependent on you, your valuation is decreased. So the most, I don't know if it's ironic thing, but the less we work in our business, the more the value increases because now it's more of an acquirable business. So it actually served us more and serves the acquirer more. But the best part is, As your business runs more and more independently, why would we want to ever lose a business? Well, the more you want to keep your business and the more people want to buy it, the value increases even more. So it's a beautiful scenario not to work in your business.
1: I could not agree with you more. I have a similar mission. Mine is to help entrepreneurs live from a place of choice.
0: Love it. Oh, I like that. That's mm-hmm.
1: my mission. My, I actually, I want all people to be able to choose to live their life from a place of choice. Yeah. So how did you get started in this mission? Like, what was the story? What was that moment for you?
0: Yeah, so, and I think we all have the moment. I, and and I, the interesting thing is, I don't necessarily mean if it's a singular moment. For some of us, it's this building wave, this incessant, unstoppable pinpricks that become the cumulative moment. But for me, it was a jab in the eye, effectively. I had built and sold two companies, became a self-made millionaire in my early 30s, and became a dick. <laughs> I thought I knew everything. I was full of arrogance. I said, look, I'm 30 years old. I'm a safe, self-made millionaire. In traditional brick-and-mortar businesses, I'm God's gift to entrepreneurship. I'm Midas. And um, that arrogance, combined with ignorance, was my downfall. I became an angel investor, the worst angel investor ever. I started companies. They all failed. I actually call myself now the angel of death. I was <laughs> I was so freaking bad, Kelly. And um, I lost all my money. I had to come home to my family. I'll never forget this. I've shared the story countless times. It's it's actually my therapy. It was February 14th, which is Valentine's Day, 2008. So from us recording this, you know, 11 years ago. And uh, I had to come home to my wife and children and tell them that I lost all the money through stupidity, arrogance, ignorance. We lost our house because of this. We had to move to a rental. We lost. Uh, our possessions, our cars. I had to tell my daughter, who was nine, she can't go horseback riding anymore because can't afford it. I'll never forget it. She jumped up from the table. I was sobbing. My family was stunned. My daughter was crying and she ran away. And I was like, holy crap. My own daughter is so sickened by me and what I've done that she doesn't want to be with me. It was painful. Yeah, I she ran out of the room. But I also respected it because when we hit our darkest moments, running away actually seems like a good solution. The thing was, she didn't run away. She ran to her bedroom. She grabbed her little piggy bank that was wrapped in duct tape. I'm getting emotional thinking about it wrapped in duct tape and um, rubber bands. It never had broken. She didn't want a robber to steal from the money she was saving to buy a horse one day. And oh. she ran back down and said, Dad, she goes, Daddy, I'll save our family. Oh, man. But I'm just, that hit me fast, now nowhere. The thing is, I have a little picture of her. In my home office here.
1: And, oh, she's uh, so cute.
0: Yeah, beautiful, right? And it just hits me so hard ever thinking about that because to put your your children in a position where they need to save you, I felt like such a scumbag. And uh, that became the seed for resolving this. I, I committed to myself in the moment, but it didn't change. I committed myself to fix this, to figure out my flaws, to never again put arrogance into business, to not compare myself. It did take me two years. I went through depression and struggle, and uh, it took me two years. But over time, I got more and more clarity. I need to fix this for myself, and I need to um, fix it for other entrepreneurs. That's why I became an author now 10 years ago. And uh, every book I write is, uh, quite frankly, I'm fixing my own flaws, my own misunderstandings, and I'm trying to serve others too.
1: That's what the profitology process was. Is that I did the same thing, I you know, and I think that at thirty years old, it's a pivotal time in the point of a life of an entrepreneur because I, yeah, I too thought I was God's gift and (laughs) was my downfall. It was my down. I mean, I had oh god, it's so embarrassing. Like it's so embarrassing to even talk about now. I had pictures of like my headshots or like things from like magazines, pasting all over my walls. It's just like ah, I did the same debagging the wall, the wall of me right right
0: i was so into me too oh my god like what a d-bag and like yeah
1: right same here same
0: the funny thing is like i don't think my ego's gone i don't think it leaves for any of us i I just think it's shifted i realized i used to put significance in like outcomes for myself exclusively like i'm gonna lead a large company so i can brag about all the employees i have that's kind of how it was Mm -hmm. now if i desire to have a large company i don't necessarily actually even care anymore but if i did my mindset is, I want a large company because I can serve my colleagues, that they can elevate themselves uh, and, and live yes. a version of their entrepreneurial dream without taking the risk of starting a business. I flipped my ego. So it's still there. I still get pride out of it. But it's no longer the self-serving, like, look at me, people. It's much more, hey, what, how can we serve our world together, you know?
1: So one of the things I talk about, and I, and it, you kind of just mentioned it, and I'd be interested to hear your, your stake on this. One of the things that I talk about is your metrics of success. And before, you know, like my metrics for success, you know, 15 years ago, it was like, what's my airline status? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, like I used to get so much, now I'm like, please take me off the road, Right, right. No. Uh, you know, I, and i like, you know, but how many airline miles, you know, how much, what's your top line revenue? That was a big status thing. You know, what rooms am I getting invited to speak in? And now it's completely, completely shifted for me. It's like, mm. how stress-free is my business? How mm. joyful is my business? Does my business grow without me actually being there? Does it run like clockwork? Love without- it.
0: Good choice of words.
1: Shameless plug for you there. Uh, Does it run like clockwork without me, you know, having to touch things? How much time am I getting to spend with my family? Things like that. What are your metrics for success nowadays?
0: So uh, one of them is a four week vacation. Um, I I talk about it in the book, but I've taken it now. Can I leave my business for four weeks? And is the business strong or even stronger when I return? The interesting thing um, now that I've done this is I left my business for four weeks, full disconnect, like digital and physical, right? So no access to my business and came back and uh, it wasn't perfect. There was problems. But what I found is those problems are the things I need to fix for my next four-week vacation. So uh, this is now going to be a habit. I already booked my next vacation for a month straight. So that's one of them. Personal income is a big deal still though. Like I'm not driven by like, I want to make more money. I'm driven by, I want to make sure that I don't have to worry about money. So it's just a slightly different perspective of, but there's still a number associated with that.
1: Choice, Right, yeah. yeah,
0: it's a choice. I don't ever want to have to worry about numbers ever again or money ever again. So I have specific numbers that drive that and I and I measure it. The biggest thing though, for me, the biggest thing, which I, listen, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. I can't imagine, but I'm trying to set up the legacy that it will. I heard a study that 83% of small businesses defined by the SBA, by the way, as a company that does $25 million in revenue or less, 83% of small businesses are in check to check survival, which I've lived that, it's extraordinarily stressful, it's horrible, it's not necessary. And so my goal is, and there's 180 million, by the way, small businesses globally. My goal is that my work will flip it and then of 83% of businesses surviving check by check, 83% of businesses will be permanently profitable. I'm hoping to do that in my lifetime. I don't know if I can or will, But I'm hoping to set the legacy that um, it it will happen at some point for entrepreneurs.
1: I love that. I absolutely, I absolutely love that. So talk about some of the principles of profit first. Um, This is just so that you guys know and have context. Mike and I were talking about this. This is required reading for my students. This is absolutely how I recommend that my, my students set up their financial systems in their business to not only from a mindset perspective, but also from an actual physical perspective. And in our programs, we have a profit first accountant that is there to support. Yes, yes, there are certified profit first accounting professionals that that are there to help people set their books up. Because, you know, look, unless you're someone who like absolutely adores your books, (laughs) (laughs) loves working in QuickBooks, which is certainly the hell not me, um, you hire someone to do it, right? So we've got people for that. So tell them the core principles of Profit
0: first. Yeah, the core principles are, first of all, to change ourselves around money or anything is very hard. And um, that's what we've been told to do. So most entrepreneurs, and I've queried now easily 100,000 or more entrepreneurs. Every time I do a speaking event for the last four years about profit first, I'll ask the audience to raise their hand if this is true. So that's how I'm surveying people. And the vast majority of entrepreneurs don't read income statements or balance sheets or cash flow statements. They may look at them, but they don't really understand how they work. Actually, I don't even know how to read a cash flow statement effectively. And accountants in the traditional sense or accounting in the traditional sense says, read those things, tie them into metrics like your KPIs, key performance indicators, indicators, budgets, and so forth. And never look at your bank balance because it's not reflective of where your business stands. That's just the cash. Manage it by these numbers. But what I found is hands down, the vast, vast majority of entrepreneurs actually manage their business through bank balance accounting. You know, I, I yank out my phone, I log into my bank account and see how much money I have, and I then follow my instinct. If I have money, I can spend it, I can grow. If I don't have money, panic ensues, I gotta sell something to somebody. So what Profit First is, is a system that works with your natural behavior. It's multiple accounts at your existing bank. The reason, and this is important, these accounts need to be set up at your bank So that when you do your natural behavior of logging into your bank accounts, you see by default what money is available for what purpose. So this isn't done in a spreadsheet. It's not an accounting system. The beautiful thing is it integrates with any accounting system because it's just the cash management component. What we do is we set multiple plates. And just I'll give you some of the accounts. We have a profit account. We'll have a uh, tax account to pay for taxes. Operating expenses. We'll have an owner's compensation account to pay the salary of the owner, which is definitely radically different than profit, which they reward for the shareholder. And you may even set more accounts. So when $1,000 comes in, for example, we carve this money up and you may have $100 reserved for profit, $400 to pay yourself as an owner, $150 or $200 reserved for taxes. And then the difference, which I don't know, $300 or whatever it was, the difference is what you truly have to operate your business. And now by logging to your bank account, we used to see a single deposit. Hey, 1000 bucks came in. Now you're like, oh, 1000 bucks came in. But in fact, I only have 300 for the furtherance of the business. I have these other responsibilities. Profit first is the envelope system uh, just translated into business. There's some other principles. Just a couple of other basics is uh, you always allocate in sequence. You always allocate profit first. That's where the title of the book came from. It's a reward mechanism. So when money comes in, you immediately take your profit. There's an endorphin release. You've transferred this money. You see the cash accumulating. It actually emboldens you to become more and more profitable. Another principle is to remove temptation. So as we allocate money toward profit or tax, If it just sits there at our current bank, the moment will come. It did for me multiple times. I couldn't pay my bills, so I looked at my profit account and said, "Ah, I'll borrow from that, and I started to unwind the system. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually transfer the profit and the tax reserves over to another bank, out -hmm. of sight, out of mind, no online banking, no nothing, just to get out of sight. And then, of course, the final core principle is as that profit accumulates, we're going to start taking profit out now as a profit distribution quarterly. So every and actually, as we're recording this, the quarter ends in 11 days. Mm-hmm. I have a beautiful profit coming out. I see it sitting there. I checked in a couple of days ago. I mm-hmm. cannot wait. And this builds a uh, another form of a reward mechanism. Now this money comes out, you reward yourself. Profit never, ever gets plowed back or pushed back into your business. Those are soft terms used to say it's really an expense. It's not profit. I, I call it a profit, but I'm going to spend money now. That's an expense. So when profit comes out, it's a reward for the shareholder the entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and you use it to celebrate. So you define that. You go out for an amazing dinner or a vacation, or maybe you have personal debt and you, you start crushing that, or maybe you're saving for some future thing like a college fund or something. You put it toward reward of the shareholder. The thing of it coming out every 90 days is you don't start setting your lifestyle off of it. The the owner's compensation account I referred to earlier, that's to support your ongoing lifestyle. That's to pay for your, your food and your home and whatever. The profit account is the big, beautiful bonus on top of it. And uh, once you do that once or two cycles of a profit distribution, for most entrepreneurs that are doing it, and we, when we estimate now it's over 150,000 businesses that have implemented it. For nice. most people, it's once you take one or two profit distributions, it's like, oh my gosh, I got to do this the rest of my life.
1: So one of the questions I got a lot from our last interview is, what do you do when you're starting your business up? So you need money, obviously, to start the, the, the business up, to make... S- some, str- hopefully you guys, some strategic investments.
0: I'm, I'm happy you you emphasized that word because so many people don't do it strategically. It's, it's total random. It's lottery. You know? Oh, I know. They take money and they're like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I think I gotta buy a Facebook ads. So let's just go. And then they blow all their money. And you're like, now what? Yeah. And uh, usually the best decisions are made once they're in the now what, because there's no money left. They have to start really truly thinking strategically. Yes. If you have a startup business and you're going to fund it with your own money, um, what you do is you take that money, your own money and you, or whoever you got the funding and put it right into your operating expense account. But to your point, be very, very careful of that because money makes us blind to good decision-making. Any decision is a adequate decision if you have enough money to make yet another decision. So be very careful with that. In regards to implementation of profit first, what I tell business owners typically is uh, in the book, I talk about these things called taps or target allocation percentages. It's numbers that the Fiscally elite companies have achieved industry agnostic. It's a survey we ran, and uh, what I tell startups is just start with those numbers. You don't know better, so don't start with small profits. Let's start taking the the full, you know, fifteen or twenty percent of profit targets immediately. And then when they do this, these companies are like, okay, I guess that's how my business is going to run, and they run actually extremely profitably and effectively from day one. It's the companies that already exist when we implement profit first that we need to step our way into it. If they start hitting those hard numbers those big profit numbers, it's such an abrupt shift. It actually hurts those
1: companies. Okay, so, so doing it a little bit smaller in incremental steps. For,
0: for existing businesses, new business, in many cases, let's go full throttle and to see if we can start at the full thing, because you don't know better. If it doesn't work, we can ratchet it back. But new businesses often actually start full throttle and, and have been successful, because they just don't know any better.
1: So what about the businesses that have debt that they need to, to handle? Question.
0: So you mean like almost happen? every business, <laughs> right?
1: Right, <laughs> I mean, you know.
0: Yeah. So everybody? Yeah. Um, what I tell people is first we have to realize what debt is. I didn't know that debt is simply an expense that we incurred that we couldn't or decided not to afford at the time. And it's still an expense. Like it's still sitting there waiting to be paid. So debt is this burden of expense. The only way to cover your expenses is to make more money than you're spending. And there's got to be money left over, which is profit. When profit's left over, then you can go back to your historical expenses and crush those. So lesson one is if you have debt, the only way to eradicate debt is by profitability. So if your business has debt, you have to do a system. Profit first, I think, is the system, but maybe something else. You have to do a system that guarantees profit. Step two is as the profit accumulates, we've talked about the system you're you're allocating to the second bank and it's sitting there. When the profit distribution time comes out every 90 days, we are now going to use the majority of that profit distribution to eradicate our historical debt. That's the one exception to the rule. The rule is profit is used to celebrate. The only exception is if you have historical debt. We will use it to crush that debt. And as you crush that debt, when that profit distribution comes out every 90 days, don't use 100% of what you take out. Use 95 or upwards of 99%. Still take a portion to reward yourself. I think this is the most missed component of debt eradication that people follow is they, they use all free money to hit debt, but that becomes a very negative experience. You're crushing debt, you're crushing debt, um, but you're not getting anything for it. it's like, gosh, how long do I have to sacrifice myself? You know what? I want those new shoes or that new car or that new whatever. I'm just going to buy it on my credit card. And we actually started accumulating debt. We need, it's human nature, we need a reward mechanism. That pat on the back, you're doing good. So when the profit comes out, the majority is used to crush debt and a small portion is still used to reward yourself. As we crush this debt and finally when the debts evaporated, that, that next profit distribution, now it's 100% goes to us.
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. So aside from your profit first lesson, what would be the top three things that you would tell entrepreneurs who are looking to shift the way and get out of the hustle and grind mentality?
0: Yeah. Okay. So, um, and that's, that's why I explored in clockwork. I think the first thing is you have to change your mindset around what's called the superhero syndrome. You know, think of your superhero right now. It can be wonder woman or Superman or, you know, black Panthers, like the hot superhero nowadays pick your favorite superhero. And I will tell you something about that superhero. They're a dick. And uh, I, I'm not, I don't care what superhero you're thinking about. They're a dick. And not, listen, they have good intentions, but think about, I think about Superman. Superman swoops in and fights the evil villain, Lex Luthor. But here's the thing. In the process, mankind, we are unable to defend ourselves. In fact, the more dependent we become on Superman, we become weaker. Less able, we we beg Superman, you know, or Batman. Hey, where's the bat phone so the police can call you to save us? The second thing is Superman leaves a massive, and so Black Panther and Wonder Woman a massive wake of destruction. The most recent Wonder Woman movie is like this this massive battle. Every building is flattened. They don't do the movie, you know, about Superman saying the next fifty years of New York City trying to recover from the damage Superman did. And that's the superhero syndrome. As entrepreneurs, we swoop in and we save the day again. That, that pissed off client, that employee that was threatening to leave, that one project that no one's gotten done and needs to be delivered tomorrow morning, we swoop in and save the day. Weakening our team. And by the way, our team doesn't have to be only employees. It can be vendors. It can even be our own clients, empowering them. We weaken their empowerment and save the day. It fills our ego, but it weakens our team. The second thing is we often, so often, I'm notorious for this. Leave a wake of destruction. I'm like, I'll fix that. I mess up other things. I destroy schedules. Everything's amiss. And I'm like, hey, fix the problem. I cause 10 more. And now my team needs to do cleanup. And But they're afraid because if we tell Mike he's effing things up, he'll never save us again. And it becomes a insidious trap. So lesson one is no longer be a superhero for your business. Instead, see yourself as a super visionary. Redirect that ego. So that's one lesson. I, I, I'll give you a couple more if you want.
1: I want more. Yes. Okay. I'm sure, our listeners do.
0: Second is, uh, you know, connect with your purpose. I believe this emphatically and, and, you know, we talked about prior to recording this, like that that was not a fake crying. I can't help when I think about that moment, um, how painful it was, but also how impactful it was. That moment with my daughter changed my whole perspective and has become the inception point for what my life's purpose is. So my life's purpose is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. I believe for many of us, maybe for all of us, our purpose is often what we need to fix for ourselves. And we do that by serving others. Whatever your biggest trauma was in life, either drip trauma, where it just happens again and again, or that moment, if, if you need to fix that, if you won't stand for that anymore, often I believe that's the inception of purpose. As we serve others in this, we actually solve ourselves. I was watched the Mr. Rogers, uh, My Neighborhood, the documentary. Oh, that's such
1: a great documentary. You
0: know, you see his inception point. He was picked on as a child. He was not shown expressed love as a child. And he said, children need love. That was his life's purpose. And this guy was relentless in such a beautiful, caring way because he resonated with that purpose. So find your purpose. I, I believe that emphatically and it's in there for all of us. It's often in your trauma.
1: It shifts your business when you operate from that place.
0: It totally does, right? To your point, it's no longer like I need to make $5 million or $50 million or whatever the numbers of the day. Now it's like, I got to serve people. And I get up in the morning, I'm like, I don't have much time on this planet. I got to rock and roll. It brings that energy. And it doesn't bring workaholism. That's the interesting thing. Because I realize to have the impact that I want to have and that I think many of us want to have, there isn't enough days to do everything. So now it's brought about how do I start empowering others to carry this? How do I find others that have a purpose that we can walk a path together and collaborate, to your point. I like that. The, you said the uh, collaborate OPN, oh, right? oh, the OPG. Yes,
1: yeah. OPG is leverage other people's genius and OPN is leverage other people's networks.
0: Yeah, right. So that, that, that's the definition of collaboration. And then the last uh, maybe takeaway from clockwork or, you know, making the business run itself is the necessity for this concept of fortification. That's the big, bold ask I'm challenging people. And when I go to an entrepreneur and say, you got to take off for four weeks consecutively, no connection to the office, told to connect. So they're like, are you effing crazy, Mike? Like the business will go under. And I'm like, if that's true, you have a business that is not a business. That's a job. And the day will come that you have to take forex vacation because you're sick or because something happened, your business will collapse. So we better prepare for this by building to it. And uh, the weeks vacation is not something you declare like, you know, tomorrow morning, I'm going to do this and see what happens. There's a process to build toward it. You start extracting yourself from the business, test things out, and get there. But here's the funniest thing. I'm touring Europe. Um, I'm actually taking off again right after this. Um, I'm touring Europe. I'm like, you got to take a four-week vacation. People laughed at me. They said, we've been taking that for the eternity of Europe. Like, that's the American problem. So, you know, BMW, those employees take off four consecutive weeks for their summer hiatus. And BMW is still in business. So I think our, our brothers and sisters in Europe uh, we better learn from them as Americans that this is necessary for a business to be sustainable. And it's necessary for our lives to be impactful and, and to live life.
1: I love it. I love it. In fact, actually, I, I take a cue from them. Um, generally speaking, I look to end work around two or three every day. That's, oh, how, I that's, my, beautiful. that's how, how I do my 30 hour work week.
0: That's beautiful.
1: And then, you know, I I do my own thing in the afternoon, whether it's work out, go take the dogs for a hike, whatever it is. I think that's super important. I know just so that you guys know who are listening to this, I'm actually going to be interviewing Mike on our Facebook live show called The Profitpreneur uh, about clockwork. So uh, you will have more Mike all the time. If people want to get started in this, um, obviously in our show notes on our site at profitologypodcast.com, we're gonna have a link to his book. Also, I'll link directly to his site where he's got some killer resources to get started implementing the profit first. Anything else you wanna tell him about?
0: Sure, thank you. Um, I'll tell you something about the website. Uh, I'll give you a shortcut if you're, if you're listening in but can't click on the links. The website's Mike Michalowicz and, and all my stuff is there, like my books, Your free chapter so downloads. so easy to spell. Yeah, right, yeah. and that's the problem. It's impossible <laughs> to spell, right? It's the longest, most Polish name ever um
1: literally like i've known you for how many years now and every time i'm like i don't think i'm spelling this right i have to like google it and then look for it kelly like you're
0: not like i struggle with the freaking thing
1: (laughs) it's it's the smudge
0: on my face it just is what it is but i made a shortcut so my nickname in high school was mike motorbike the ironies i've never driven a motorcycle my entire life i don't ever plan to but that was my nickname so if you go to mike motorbike .com. That brings you right to my website too. That's the shortcut to it. That's
1: oh my gosh, that's hysterical. I love it. That's actually, that's fin- that is fantastic. I love that idea.
0: Yeah, so people come uh, up to me now at events like, hey, it's Mike Motorbike. I'm like, that's me. Never driven yeah. one, <laughs> never will.
1: <laughs> that's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. I Thank appreciate you. it, you guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Prophetology Podcast. Until next time, talk soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Profitology Podcast. If you did, please share the show with someone that you know and help spread the word to your followers on social media. This is how we reach more entrepreneurs just like you around the world. Also, I'd like to continue the conversation with you about all things Profitology. So please join me and your fellow Profitpreneurs in our free Facebook group. You can find us at ProfitpreneursCircle.com. I frequently go live in our community to share tips, trainings, and innovative profit acceleration strategies, as well as resources that can help you accelerate your results in your business.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.